Blog Talk Radio. at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett, and co-host, Patricia Glover-Howard. Hi, Patricia. Good evening, Bernice. Good evening, Chatters. Well, Patricia will uh, get into the chat room. I'm hoping to see her soon. And she will uh, monitor the chat room and, and summarize some of the comments. Well, I am happy to welcome the callers and chatters to research at the National Archives and beyond. This show will provide individuals interested in genealogy and history an opportunity to listen, learn, and take action. Well, tonight's show will focus on documenting ourselves and leaving a blueprint for future genealogists. We are in the era of baby boomers. We have seen and participated in a lot of history in our lifetime. So it will take about 72 years or more after our death for our family to research us, and we can leave them a blueprint so that they do not have to wait to find out about us. Well, Char McCargo Barr is our guest for tonight. And she is the CEO and owner of Finding Things for You, LLC. She has been a genealogist for a long time and has appeared in television interviews with CBS, Fox 5, Comcast, PBS, just to name a few. She has received numerous awards for her work in genealogy. She was the city of Alexandria's genealogist on the Alexandria Freedmen and Contraband Cemetery and became a, li- a living legend of Alexandria in 2014. Now, many of you may have heard Char on this show, and she has spoken on a variety of topics. And so I just want to welcome Char back to research at the National Archives and beyond. Welcome, Char. Um, thank you, uh, Bernice. Well, Char, I'm looking forward to hearing you share with us some of the strategies and recommendations of what we can do to leave a blueprint. So, Char, let's just start off with what are you talking about when you're saying leave a blueprint? 
Well, what I'm talking about basically is that um, for all of us who've been doing genealogy for a long time, it's been so much part of our lives, is that you have to start thinking about what is the next chapter. And as we're getting older, uh, we want to make sure that all this work we've been doing will be in a safe place, given to someone who really wants it. But also we want to make sure that our family know about our dedication that we made towards genealogy. And we must realize that when we do die, a lot of records, they might not be able to get on us. So therefore, we want to start gathering those things and putting it part of our estate, leaving it to someone that you know that will appreciate it and be able to share it with the family long after you're gone. Therefore, if you want to look at things that you know that most people can't get readily, they won't be able to see you on a census until 72 years after you die. Uh, not 72 years after you die, but 72 years after they don't change the laws. That we have to realize that laws can be changed. We should know that from our current president. So therefore, that um, you want to make sure that you have like a copy of the census. The 20 uh, in 2020, we'll be doing a census, and therefore, when you fill that census out, you want to make a copy. Put that with your uh, with your papers that you're going to leave your family members. Also, if you traveled a lot and you have a passport, you want to leave that for your family members because they won't be able to get that readily. You want to, your driver's license. You want to leave that. They won't be able to go to the motor vehicle and get your driver's license long after you're gone. You want to also look at your tax records. They won't be able to get that either. It might be information on it that you might want them to have. I mean, you know, you're dead now, so who cares? <laughs> so you might want to leave them that. So it's a lot of um, things that we have um, uh, as far as records created in our lifetime that will not be available to our family members or especially the generation after us to be able to get, you know, because we have to be, you know, dead a certain amount of time and they might not just be available. Today, people cannot even get motor vehicle records on, on, on well, a deceased you know, person. You, right. Well, you know what? You have just hit on something that's great. Because I wonder how many people are even thinking that they should leave this information for others that may be interested. I'm lucky because I have my mother's research card when she signed up for the National Archives, and I have her senior citizen card, and I have some other documents that she left. And I'm seeing that Selma is saying that she made a copy of the 2010 census. Mm-hmm. So right there, you, you're telling people, leave it, get copies of it, and put it in the hands of someone that could appreciate it, too. But what other things should people consider leaving? Um, also, they should consider leaving, like, for instance, if they have, um, we all know about photos. We know we have inherited photos. But have we sat down and started labeling these photos? We know what we had gone through when somebody left us a photo. We don't know who that person is. Nobody's living to tell us who that person is. Don't let us do it to the generation coming behind us. Make yeah. Don't leave it. Uh, make sure that you label everything you have, everything that you had a problem with in your research. Make sure you don't continue that in the documents that you have. So everything should be labeled. All pictures should be labeled. Um, if you put it on a CD, we don't. You don't know what new technology is going to come in, and so therefore you want to make sure, just like our 
of parents left us pictures, you want to make sure you leave hard copies too. So not only leaving electronic, many people have taken pictures with their phone. Well, honey, guess what? That stuff disappears. If you do not, even if you want to upgrade your phone, you lose sometimes your pictures. So you want to make hard copies of things. It's nice to have all the techie stuff, but you don't know how long it's going to be around or what's going to replace it, whether it's going to be transferable. So therefore, if you want to make sure you have hard copies of of, of your information. You want to make sure also that um, your associates and your friends. Um, back in my mom's days, friends lived in the neighborhood, lived next door. Um, you know, the people that you associated with was in your neighborhood. For our generations, the baby boomers, our friends are all over the place. They can be in, you know, New York, Philadelphia. You can talk to them regularly. We might visit them. And our children or our grandchildren won't know that. If they want to... Um, uh, research and find out uh, any information, and some of your f- uh, friends might be still living. They w- they won't be able to know. Oh, does she live in New Jersey? Does she live in New York? You want to make sure you you keep something like a journal, and you write a narrative or something about your 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 interactions with your friends or whatever. Because when somebody writes a story about you, they need that. They need that type of information. My articles that I write for the Alexandria Gazette, of course, I use my genealogy skills, but a lot of it is not used. I'm not using the genealogy skills. I'm actually using the interviewing, talking to the families, finding out about the individual. For every article that I have written, I have located a descendant, and they don't no longer live in Alexandria. I, one, um, my article that's coming out next week, I researched and found a descendant in Arizona. I've been on the phone talking to him just to write this little 700-word um, article because you want to make the person come alive. And when you you think about it, if you're gone, nobody said, well, she did genealogy. And that's it, you know. Well, what did mm-hmm. she do? I mean, whatever. You, wanted, you want them to know that you had a life. You, were, you know, you wanted to know that you... What 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 you spent your life a lot of your life doing, and you want them to know the kind of people that you hung up with, and that that all of this that you did you did for the betterment of the family to know about each other, and what person who's better to leave it and write it is yourself. You have the skills to do it, and and so therefore you should do it. And I'm finding out that, you know, um, that we don't know when we're going to leave here. I remember, and I met most of the AUG people probably remember her. I remember Sylvia. And periodically, once in a while, I'll remember her, and she died. You know, and so many of our AUG's friends have have, have died. And mm-hmm. where where's their materials? Where's the work they have done? Do their children know about us? I have Jenny friends that I don't even know their children's name because we're too busy talking about the grandmothers and the great-grandmothers and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I'll ask, i say, excuse me, what is your child's name? <laughs> and we've been knowing each other for years, but we talk about old things, and we don't talk about, you know, the more recent stuff. And sometimes I don't know their children by their name and stuff because we're too busy talking about grandma and great-grandma and what they did and what all of that. So we have to take time to make sure that our work do not, you know, just go by the wayside, that, it, you know, that the things that we try to do and try to make the family family know about, and not only that, make the public know that we contributed positive things when we were here, we want to make sure that the next generation picks up that torch. It might not be your child, it might be a niece, it might be a nephew, it might be somebody 
in your neighborhood or a guard child who dis- who wants to be able to um, further your research. And we must identify who that person is but because leaving it to someone who's not interested is, is just as bad. They'll throw it away. So... Um, it's a lot of stuff that we have accumulated in our in our lives, our degrees, our you know, our um you know, pictures of our children, trips that we have gone on, conferences, genealogical conferences and all of these things made us who we are today. And the story that is told about us should be told in that context. Who we who we are, what we did, where we went. You know, and um, and all the people we helped uh, and, and helped throughout our lives. Because genealogists, one thing we do, we help a lot of people. We connect them to mm-hmm. an event, to a person, to a place. We help them. But it's time for us to start thinking: Who will remember us if we don't have any documents that we leave to them? Yeah. Uh, but when you mention, you know sharing your information that someone who is interested in your information, when do you recommend you start identifying that key person or individuals? Usually there's no one way of um, doing that. Like, for instance, I didn't select a person to be my daughter's godmother. My daughter selected her own godmother when she went to college. My daughter didn't grow up with a godmother. I, I thought that you know that a person should be should be a special person, and they would stand out somewhere in your life. They would stand out. Mm-hmm. They would be the one who's going to ask a lot of questions. They're going to be the one going to be more you know inquisitive. They're going to be somebody you know that really probably take an interest. And um, so in the case like instance with my daughter, she selected her own godmother when she went off to college, and she didn't grow up with a godmother because I felt that. It's be, have to be somebody special, somebody special to her. And so it's going to be somebody special, somebody who, you know, may be going up and down with you to do research or whatever. You can identify. Since we don't know how long we have left on earth, and I always tell people, I say, I pray every day and ask God, can I stay here until I'm 90? And I panicked the other day because I turned 61. I say, oh, my God, I only have 29 more years to make it, you know. And so I'm very <laughs> I'm very conscious of my age in a sense of there's so much I want to do, but the time, is, like the clock is ticking, and who knows? We don't know about our health. We don't know what situation we'll be in. But it's someone, you know, like with me, I took my um, nephew who lives in California. He comes here to visit, and we hang out at the cemetery. And he said, Auntie, it's kind of scary, it's spooky out here. I said, Yeah, don't worry. I said, When you come here to visit me, you don't have to worry about that. So I, you know, so, and I take my family to cemeteries and to the old churches, and I see some of their eyes lighten up. So I think I have several people I'm going to leave my things to. I see mm-hmm. some interest in several. And uh, I mean, at the family reunions, when you talk, you might see somebody who's a little bit more interesting, interested in what you're saying than somebody else. Um, and then, um, or you have somebody to ask a lot of questions, maybe they might be the one. And and uh, so you start talking to them. What are their interests? Do they Are they interested in the family? Do they think they would like to do this type of research? And try to probe them for that. But if, if you cannot find anybody, then identify an institution, whether it's going to be the state archives where you do your research, whether it's going to be the historical society where you do your research, um, or, or university, identify it, um, find out what you have to uh, do for them to, to receive your information, 
on what papers you have to fill out and all of that stuff. But don't let someone throw it in the trash. We, we work too hard for that. I uh, totally agree with you. We do work entirely too hard. But you know what? It's something that you may want to even have a family meeting just to go over all of the information that you have and find out who is interested. And if they're not, get them to help you put the information together so that you can leave it with an institution. At least you'll have that collection, you know, the the Char Macago Bar collection somewhere that others can then go and review. Uh, but it, it's, it seems like it's something that we maybe haven't thought as much about. And so I'm really glad to hear you, you know, throw out these tips to, to us. Uh, but I wonder how many people have even considered leaving their materials to a library or repository. Um, when I was, uh, my, um, um, my family comes from the southern part of Virginia, um, Halifax County and the neighboring counties, and I go down there at least four or five times a year. And so I have already um, identified people who are interested, some institutions there that are interested in um, receiving what I have, but I don't think they know how much I have. And I told them, I said, are you prepared? And they said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, okay, let me give you a number. Two hundred and eighty boxes. Are you Xerox boxes? Are you prepared? Wow! And then I see them saying, "You got to be kidding." I said, "No, I'm not kidding." <laughs> so I'm not kidding. And they said, well, "Won't you start scanning them and putting them on <laughs> CD?" I said, "I'm not going to make it that easy for you." So, but anyway, so that is how much, uh, how you know, many boxes I have in my garage, and I know sooner or later I have to deal with it because um, I'm probably going to downsize, and so. Um, that's one of the things I I'm gonna do. But another um, another point is that one can start writing. And I know you had people in your program who talked about writing, but and and it gets very scary for many people. It's, it takes a lot of time out of your life to do that. But one thing you could do, you can just publish one book or two books, one for yourself and one for the Library of Congress, and put your research in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you can sit down and, and actually uh, and actually uh, go through and self-publish just one or two books, and and if the family wants it, they can buy the self-published one from whatever you know uh, place you uh, you had it published through. But that way, you can start doing that. Um, you can start writing your own memoirs. We talk about writing other people's things. You can start writing your own memoirs yourself mm-hmm. and how you want. Um, you know, I even thought about you know I I, I, um, I have a draft of my own obituary that I that I uh, want, and you know, people don't like, especially African Americans do not like to talk about death. And I can't even get my mother to sit down and talk to her about it. She tell and she said, I don't want to talk about. It. I act like I'm going to die. I said, Well, you know what? I think we're all going to make that journey one day. But mm-hmm. um, it's that how do you want yours? You know, uh, I don't want anybody to say anything about me at that moment, and they don't know me, you know. So, um, and I know funerals I have gone to, people start talking, and they don't even know the person who died. Maybe the family member was a member of the church, but not the individual person who died. So I think, you know, we have the opportunity to think about these things now and put them in order. And um, I think, you know, we all should write our memoirs, really. 
you know, um, and how, you know, and, and certain things in our life. I have a lot of family members that um, some things you cannot prove because they kind of were like um, under the underground type of people. And so, therefore, mm-hmm. their stories are going to be lost. If you can't prove it, you know, in genealogy, you got to prove everything. So you, you're not going to be able to prove it unless they were arrested. <laughs> so, so the point is, but they got good stories. I mean, good things, you know. And I say, mm-hmm. and 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 they have given me permission to write it, and I, and you know, after they die, and all of them are dead now, so I have their permission to do it. But I don't want to wait till I die for me to have that done. So I want to do it while I'm living. And I think everybody should think about. And we write about everybody else. We research everybody else, but we haven't taken care of ourselves. We really haven't taken care of ourselves. And and even to think outside the box, what are what do you want to be? What you, what really you want your legacy to be? And how do you want that to be displayed to your family? You know, we are basically the first generation of genealogists. Many of us are. Yes. You know, the first yes. generation. Mm-hmm. And um, and if you don't leave instructions how to um, do things, you don't know how long genealogy will be like one of, you know, um, it's very popular now, but, you know, it might not be popular 50 years from now. Um, when I discovered I had a cousin in Germany, he told me that um, he's German-born and he and from right after the World War II, and he told me it was um, against the law. To, to talk about genealogy because of um, the way Hitler um, focused on anybody who was not pure white. And and um, and, and not until I met him about in the early part of 2000 that he felt comfortable in talking about genealogy. He was my great uncle's son. So mm-hmm. you don't know what the laws are. You don't know how how um, the U.S. is going to be. You don't know whether people might migrate. You don't know any of that. My husband comes from a tribe, and my husband's from Sierra Leone, West Africa. He comes from a tribe that they that they are, they, are, they migrate. The Fulanis are, 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 are a tribe that migrate a lot. And they don't have written records because of their migration. And uh, we think of, we always in America, whatever, but you have people who, my family migrated from the south to the north, and they only had their little suitcases. Right. So many of us could even could even tell that story about our own mm-hmm. migration story. Yes, yes. From the south, south to the north or wherever mm-hmm. our family members have ended up. Yes, and even um, the military, you know, um, mm-hmm. if we don't tell the story about our folks being in the military, because we, um, you know, we haven't we had wars, but we haven't had major like a World War Three, it's not really in the minds of our relatives that good, you know. Um, and also, our generations, our generation probably had less children. I only had one child, and I have many friends mm-hmm. who had no children or one child. So you look at. Um, who's going to tell a story if, you know, who's going to remember the story, you know. So my mother had five children, but she only had four grandkids. So, you know, we're getting smaller instead of bigger. And uh, where my mother came from a family of of eight, my grandmother had a family of 13. So, so you see the numbers going down. So, you know, we have to think of ourselves in a sense the, that we are getting older and we can make the decision now while we've got the, um, the mental capacity to do that as well as 
we can we have the ability to research ourselves. Why don't we research ourselves like we research everybody else? What a thought. That's right. Why don't we research ourselves, at least put together that plan? I mean, how many of us have had careers that no one even knows about mm-hmm. other than our immediate family? Either we have not put it in our memoirs or we are on a second career with genealogy and we don't talk about our first career and where our lives have taken us. <laughs> so you're making some very good points here. Um you know, make the decisions now as to what we need to start doing. Um, but, but one question I have for you, and you mentioned friends, and mm-hmm. that maybe some of the friends of your you, your relatives or your family members are all over the place. What mm-hmm. about finding that phone directory, that phone directory that <laughs> your mother no or somebody exists. did maintain <laughs> And that was how she stayed in touch with everybody. Yes, I inherited my grandmother's. I inherited a couple things from my grandmother. I inherited her quilt. I inherited her her telephone book and her county telephone book, the telephone book they had in the county she lived in. And they had party lines back then. She died in 1978, and, and they had party lines. And so it was not a very thick uh, telephone book. And I inherited, uh, uh, she wanted me to have a coat, her coat, and I didn't know why she wanted me to have this coat. Um, but, you know, it was the one with the fur on it was a Sunday coat. Um, later on, after she was dead for several years, and um, I always kept it in plastic, but I decided to take it out and have it clean. And when I was folding it up, it kept crunching. <laughs> I said, what is this? I look in the line, in, in the line end of the coat, and it was all filled up with money. And um, and oh. she, she insisted, she, she died from cancer, and she insisted that that coat, uh, that, they, um, that my mom give me that coat. And so um very interesting. Um so anyway, so um I have her coat and she's been dead since nineteen seventy eight and I still have her telephone book and her handwriting and um I realized that we send emails a lot and we don't write a lot and another thing that I wanted to leave for my grandson, I only have one a grandchild, is that um I wanted to be able to tell him a whole lot of things but it he came to us late in life, so therefore I might not be living in a, living at the time he had all these important events in his life. So what mm-hmm. I do, every week I write him a letter, and I got a nice, beautiful box I put it in, and it's a letter to Donovan. And I write him different letters every week. Love and it. So that whatever his life is, whatever he's going on in his life, hopefully it, it might be a letter in that box that can help him go through whatever he's going through. Oh, that is a oh, that's a precious thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I want to tell you something very interesting. I have the old family Bible oh, okay. of my of my grandmother. Anyway, I was going through this family Bible, and between the scriptures, I found the letter that she wrote in 1961 mm-hmm. to an aunt, telling mm-hmm. her about her age and the fact that she was listed in the family Bible and qualified for Social Security. Mm-hmm. I recently connected with another relative, and it was his mother. And he sent me a picture of his mother and also could tell me about the street they lived on based on the letter and the address. 
So it's almost like we need to get back to writing. We do do a lot of emails, but mm-hmm. don't send those letters. Yes. Um, my um, When I got started on my dad's side of the family, um, I had a, a great aunt that I did not know about, but anyway, I found out about this great aunt she was living. And um, she, um, she was about in her, I think it was in the 80s. She was probably about in, almost 90 years old at the time. And so anyway, I started communicating with her, and I would call her on the phone, and I told her I was Jasper Lee McCargo's, um, you know, oldest daughter. And so, and she said, yes, I remember your dad. And then she said, well, God bless you, and hang up on me. I said, what is this? <laughs> and I know, <laughs> and every time it's God bless you, hang up. <laughs> and so I said, what is this? And so anyway, come to find out, she didn't grow up with a telephone, and a telephone was considered something very precious, and you didn't talk on it long. So I came up with the idea, I'll write you a letter, and I I would always ask her four questions in each letter, and she would answer me back. Now, I thought she was writing, but she wasn't. It was her daughter who was writing it for me, but she was telling her daughter what to write. She died. Um, she died at a hundred and um, when she was a hundred and four when she died, a hundred and five or something like that. When she died, I pulled her letters out maybe three or four times a year. I got them in plastic, and they're so precious mm-hmm. to me. But if I didn't recognize that, you know, that that she was not comfortable in communicating on the phone, maybe I would have never suggested, you know, that we write each other. Wow. Well, you know, another you you're talking about that particular incident. Well, I want to tell you, I was communicating with my father's uh, first cousin, mm-hmm. elderly woman. Every year, I would call and we would just chat. And so, it about ten years later, oh, we're chatting back and forth. I received in the mail two pictures: one of my father when he was a young boy and the mm-hmm. other of my grandmother and her sister. And on the back of the picture, it was written by her father, and it said, my t- my sister's two girls, and it was 1909. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I could not believe it when I opened up, and there it was. And she mm-hmm. had it, and maybe in her thoughts she kept thinking, this young lady is calling me every year. You know, maybe mm-hmm. there's something I can give her. Mm-hmm. And she put it in the mail to me. Oh, that's great. I didn't get pictures mm-hmm. until much later in my genealogy research. Family would not depart. Unfortunately, somebody stole something from them, a picture, and they were not going to let any pictures get away from them. And mm-hmm. um, when Walmart started becoming its chain all over the place, they opened up one in Halifax County. And it dawned on me, I said, well, you know, Walmart, well, I can take it over there and we can probably, you know, get it scanned or something. So I went down to Halifax and um took out um, one of my relatives, older relatives, and I said um, she she loved Applebee's. Applebee's was the biggest thing down there. So anyway, I took her to Applebee's, and I asked her to bring her a- album, she, and she said she could, couldn't leave her eyes. So I said, okay. So I said, let's go to Walmart first, and thank God to Walmart. Today I have over a 1,000 or something pictures from different relatives. Oh. Because Wonderful. when I come, when I go down, they say, "Oh, we're going to go to Applebee's." I said, "You got an album for me to look at," and so that's how I get it. I take them because Applebee's is right next door to Walmart, and so anyway, oh. so I've been, oh, I have spent a fortune, a fortune on pictures. But anyway, I, I was, they allow me. I go over to Walmart. I started making my copies, and um, and they get to go to Applebee's, 
And so that's how um, I was able to get pictures. But it was a long time I couldn't. They would show them to me, but they, I couldn't, you know, make a copy of them and everything. Mm-hmm. So, so well, um, the, 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 the nice little perk is that you did feed them. <laughs> yes, 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 I did. <laughs> and I found Before out that Before you scanned the photos. Yes, and I find out that um, that tends to work a lot with with, with people it, that you might, you know, I have friends that say, oh, it's so difficult for me to get relatives to talk to me and whatever. And um, for my folks, money and food. Have I got one or the other? I got it. <laughs> and it's not a whole lot of money to neither, you know, because they know how to stretch pennies down there, but it's usually that. But the interesting thing about it is that I am the person who writes the obituaries in my family. Because I collect a whole lot, and and that's something, too, that one might think about doing is get yourself, you know, somebody to designate you as that person. So I get the the call that a person is dead as soon as, you know, they have no breath left in them because they want me to do the obituary. And so so do you, when you write the obituary, are they dictating certain things they want you to put in the obituary, or you already know that person? I already already have that. I I, mm-hmm. I I already have it on, on all my family members. Um, they know that I have quite a bit of stuff, and so they're um, like, for instance, even when they go to the doctor and the doctor asks them what runs in your family, they ask the doctor. They say, "I got to make a telephone call," and they call me, "Child, what is on the, <laughs> the family?" Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. I have, I I I don't know how many I have now. The last count was several years ago, and I had over six hundred death certificates. So I've, I so I do know, and I have a chart of what runs in our family on what side of the family, and so um and um so anyway so um sometimes you those little things because most people feel they don't have the skills to do the research they don't have the time to do the research, and therefore you know you become that person, mm-hmm. and and you'll end up with two hundred and eighty boxes in your garage too <laughs> to be that person but <laughs> um, but that's one of the things that um I look at is is that um, looking at my age and looking at, you know, mindful of my, you know, that I'm not going to live forever, you know, that I need to start planning where, you know, and what I want to happen, you know, where I want the uh, my records to go. And, and leaving also, leaving that leaving enough money in your estate for it to be transported because they're going to have to need a U-Haul to take mine. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so you know, you want to do the or unless you're going to put them on CDs. You start scanning them and put put them on CDs. But I think CDs is on their way out because right now I think Target and Best Buy say they are no longer selling any musical CDs. So, and and if you notice, the newer cars do not have CD players in them. So I think CDs are on their way out. Um, so um, you have to start thinking in what what kind of format you want to leave your information in. That's true. Well, we're going to take a quick break and come right back, okay? Okay, thank you.
welcome back to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexandra Bennett, with co-host Patricia Glover-Howard. And you can join us every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, where we will have an expert to share resources, stories, and answer your burning genealogy and history questions. Remember, all of our guests share a deep passion and knowledge for genealogy and history. All of my shows are available as a podcast immediately after the broadcast, and they can be downloaded from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn.com, and Stitcher.com. Well, you have been listening to Char McCargo Ba discuss preparing our genealogical group blueprint for the next generation. So Char has given us all kinds of tips. So Char, what else can we do to prepare our blueprint for the next generation? Um, we also make ourselves um, really knowledgeable of the state laws that we live in because basically that's how your information is going to have to adhere to the law. And so, for instance, if you are living in a, like, for instance, when I wanted to donate to Halifax, I, I, I gave them some information, was a duplicate of some things I had, and I left it with the institution that I wanted to have it. By the time I got home, two days later, they called me on the phone and said, well, in order for us to accept this, you got to have this piece of paper and that piece of paper and this piece of paper, which was never told to me before. And they're about a good three and a half to four hours um, south of where I live. So I, I told him, well, I'll just make it at my next visit. But you want to make, make it, you want to find out, you know, really exactly uh, what do you have to do to be able to leave something with them. Um, what you could do is start making copies now. I know, like, for instance, you talked about a bob, uh, that, that you have a uh, family Bible. I have several mm-hmm. clients who had family Bibles, and so I told them maybe they want to leave it with the Library of Virginia since they have a, a Bible collection. And so made the arrangements for them, and and they went to Richmond, and they actually scanned the, the you know the family information from that Bible and gave them back the original. So um, you know you might want to start doing things like that because what happened is that I, as a genealogist, and I don't know whether you, I'm assuming because I worry about this, maybe others worry about this. If you give your your information too early, you'll have people claiming it as their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did the research, and that's very hardful when you have researched and did all that you have done for many years and somebody else now is thinking they get this and they can just run with it and make claims to it. So you want to make sure you, you, you check with the copyright, um, U.S. Um, copyright, and find out what can you do to protect your information when you do you know, give it to someone. You can put a disclaimer on it. And that's information you want to research to make sure that you do that and then the institution that you give it to. Um, in my research, I found out some things I want to look at, and the, and the family had, had put a disclaimer on it and said that this information can only be looked at by scholars or by oh, certain people. Okay. So you want to make mm-hmm. sure you think about that. Who do you want looking at this? And and also you want to even um, have, in, um, when you give the um, your your records over to someone, you want them to state if they use this information, they must give that citation, the type of citation you want, that it came from, you know, Bernice Bennett's 
collection at such and such a person. Uh, mm-hmm. So you want to make sure because, you know, every time we publish something, we put something on it, somebody else is going to read it. And if somebody's interested, they want to be able to come back. They want to be able to go to that site or go to that place so that they can review it because they might be related, you know. And so um, you want to make sure that, that happens. Um, um, also, um, I don't know how long, you know, it's going to even be um, making a video, but whatever, Um uh, um, some of the interviews that we have done with family members and stuff like that, you know, they no longer sell the little cassette tapes unless you can get them from Amazon. Um, yes. So you got to start thinking about this information you have. You might need to transfer it to a more up-to-date um, technology. You know, you might have to keep doing that until the day, you know, until the day you cannot do it anymore. I have and lots you have and lots people putting stuff on on Vimeo and putting it on YouTube. Mhm. And and all of this stuff on in cyberspace, it's not gonna it's not gonna be out there forever. And so mm-hmm. if you have stuff out there and you think, oh, I can just pull it up, and you don't have copies, you you should start thinking about making copies, because if you're going to prepare the next generation and you just leave leave the um the um the website to go to. It might not be there. Mm-hmm. Even with me, when I have I have my own uh, blog on Alexandra, and it might not be there. You know, once I you know, I'm gone. So I do have my hard copies, and so you want to think about that too. Yes. Yet you hear so many people saying, "Scan it, put it in the cloud somewhere, scan it." But you're saying, "Well, yes, you can scan it and put it in the cloud, but still have your hard copy." Yes, you have to. You, you at least have a backup copy, and you know the clouds might not be there. You know, you know in the future, and so you have to think about it. I think basically what has lasted for, you know, um, for hundreds of years has been writing. Have you noticed um, mm-hmm. the book? And the book has not changed much. You know, um, so to me, um, if you can, even if you don't feel like you're a very good writer, you know, as long as you can, you know, get your story down, even if you have to go and buy a blank um, book, a journal, and write in your handwriting to leave that behind, Mm -hmm. that's better than having it. If you have it out in the clouds and the clouds disappear on somebody, at least they have that. They have you know. in the writing. Yes. Right. Well, now you're getting some questions here, and you mentioned the 280-something books, uh, boxes. Boxes. Mm-hmm. How are you preserving the records that you have in those boxes? I um, live and breathe genealogy. I'm in and out of my garage uh, several times a day. Depending on what I'm writing about, what I'm and so it, it's not like it's sitting there and collecting dust or anything like that. It's not. I um I um used to do a family newsletter. I'm going to start doing it again, and therefore I'm always pulling things out of there to prepare myself for my newsletters. So it's not like it's going um it's um actually collecting dust or anything like that. It's just that uh, I'm have I'm starting organizing now, indexing everything now. And um, and then once I finish doing the indexing, then I'll decide, you know, whether I should when when I should transfer it down to the institution I want. Um, this place will allow me to go to, to come get anything I want while I'm still living. So, well, are any of your papers in acid-free uh, 
paper, wrap them in acid-free folders. Uh, Yes, the acid-free folders, acid-free folders. And mm-hmm. um, and and it's is expensive too because I luckily I I had vision to buy all of this stuff before I retired, <laughs> mm-hmm. so um mm-hmm. so I had I purchased all of this stuff before I retired. They are in acid free. Um, a lot of the stuff is probably easy to get now because I got you know like the um death certificates. Now you can get them online. I got um marriage license. You know you can get some of them online. So a lot of stuff they can already get. You know. Um, online now, so it's not really in a point how long you can get it online. If some law comes comes up and say they're no longer going to put it out there, then you won't be able to get it. I uh, got census records. You know, in the old days we made we made copies, and so things like that. But also I have like transcripts and um, interviews and um, of people, and I'm the only one who ha- who 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 um, has that kind of information. Well, you know, you mentioned you mentioned you had census uh, records, and I noticed at the National Archives you can also get those census records certified mm-hmm. uh, and stamped. And mm-hmm. I, I was helping someone with some air research, and they requested that I uh, print mm-hmm. out the census and then have them all certified. Is yes. that something that you're doing with your records? Yes, when I was um, before everything started being online, that's where I used to have you know live live is at the National Archives, and I also mm-hmm. had worked for a couple of lawyers and and on air property, and we uh, had to always get it uh, stamped at the um, mm. the National Archives. Mhm, mhm. What else would you recommend uh, that people do when we're preparing the genealogical blueprint? If, if you have any, um, you know, grandchildren, younger children, and everything, um, see can you get them interested in in, in genealogy? Because let's say you you or let's say you kick in the next fifteen years, they'll be teenagers, mm-hmm. and um and and maybe one of those children will be interested in. Also, why you why they're still young? Tell them the stories and um. I remember when I was living in Sierra Leone, I lived in Sierra Leone for two years, and what I was amazed about, every afternoon the older people would have the kids set out in the yard, and they would tell uh, stories about the about the tribe, about the family, and how they made it lively. I'm sure some of it was fabricated, but they were so interested, and sometimes the kids will ask them to tell the, tell a story you told the other day, and, and they'd be so eager. That's something we lost in our migration, because... Many African Americans that came from the South, or what family members were set there, and talk about the family member, what so and so, what uncle did, or what your grandfather did, and somewhere coming to the cities and everything, and um, the life was different, and they, and our culture started changing, and so we don't get that much of it. But they repeated it over and over and over. The kids knew it by heart, but it was like it was not a good story unless grandma can tell it, you know. And that's mm-hmm. what I was very amazed in, and and um and I think basically you know the you know people who are retired or grandparents or whether they have more time to spend with the children and to talk to them. And my grandson, I have him call me Baoba. He doesn't call me Grandma. He calls me Baoba. And the reason why I wanted mm-hmm. him to call me Baoba because it's a tree in almost 
most African countries is a tree that is like it's almost like five to six hundred or eight hundred years old, and it's a tree where um, the chiefs and all of them have to have their court. They sit underneath this tree. The tree is really it's a tree of knowledge because people who are discussing important business and important things sit underneath this tree to settle it. And I felt my role as a grandmother should be that I that I impart knowledge on my grandchild. So therefore, mm-hmm. when he was, when I kept him, I made him pronounce bow bow over and over and over. He got a damn pack. He's two years old, <laughs> and when uh, and when he calls me bow bow, and and that is my role to make sure I pass on what I need to pass on to him. And so I think if we can take the younger kids and and talk to them about it, and and um, especially when they're young and they they have no. You know they can't run from you or anything. You know they still respect you, respect you to that point. And we need to start talking to them because they are going to be. By the time they get to be um, grown people, we might not be here. Mm-hmm. We might not be here, and those moments and those things we're saying, and they might be the one who carry, who is going to inherit what we leave. You know, you can leave money and everything, but the but the the most valuable thing that you can give somebody is who they are, their culture, yes. and where they come from. Yes. You are right. Now we have a comment. This is from Patricia. She states that her family has a reunion every two years, and they have mm-hmm. the storytelling by the elders. Mm. That's good. That's good. That is that is good. Mm-hmm. Also, um, I have a friend who, um, what she decided to do is that um, she started learning how to write children books, and that's how she's leaving the family history to her grandchildren. Um, oh, she well, I like started that. taking she started taking some art classes so she can be able to draw. She started to you know um, learning the different stages of writing for children because they that's one genre that has different stages whether you're going to write to mm-hmm. you know certain age groups, and that's that's what she's focusing her time on. And um, and I, she wants to I be like able mm-hmm. so she can pass so her children be able to pass it to their children and their children can pass it to their children because it'd be their their um you know their books for children and that's what she um that's what she wants to focus her time on mhm mhm but i so think that's a very good idea yeah and that's mm-hmm. a way of of breaking it down uh so that a child can understand what the story is mhm one of her books she showed me she wrote um it was like based on um Dorothy, the um, Wizard of Oz, where she has paved the way from, and I think she's, I think she comes from North Carolina, paved the way from North Carolina to Virginia, and mm-hmm. and it's similar to the um, the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy trying to find her way back home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's her, their family, and how they came to Virginia, and then they're going back now because they're finding their way back home. They're going back home. And so that's where she ended up retiring to. So it's, it's well, very interesting. Well, you have people in here in the chat room saying they love the idea. And Nada Sue is saying she has a pre-formatted book called Grandmother's Gift of Me. 
Mm-hmm. Wow, I like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's my thinking. What happened in genie and, and and many times in genealogy, we are told that we have to go a certain way. We have to, you know, we have to research a certain way. We have to document it a certain way, and which you have to have rules, right? But the point is, it takes your creativity away. I remember reading one of my favorite authors is um, Walter Mosley, and he decided not to go to graduate school. He he um, he had his undergrad degree. He decided not to go to graduate school, and he was accepted at Columbia University for his graduate work. And he said, because I believe they would take my creativity away from me. Hmm. They would make me think inside the box. And if you look at it, many genies think inside the box. And you need to start mm-hmm. thinking outside the box. All right. Time to think outside of the box, Jenny's. <laughs> yes, because it's, you, mean, it's, you have you know you have to constantly think of you know ways. Like for instance, we have a lot. You know, many people have a hard time finding their the slave owner. And they'll say, you know, and they go through every little, they'll read everything they're supposed to read, they'll do what they say they would do, and still they cannot. As soon as you free your mind and think outside the box the wildest possibility and keep working it, you'll find where you, where, who you connect to. Mm-hmm. And um and and people don't believe that, but I have had too many clients who come to me and they be you know saying oh char char you know, and I said let's work it and we keep working let's try this way let's work it this way let's work it this way and eventually we find a connection. Um, and so you know the thing outside the box how you want to do, um, leave your legacy how you want to, you know make sure that somebody take care of your baby when you're no longer here to do that. Um, I have this thing about that I would like to have my, my funeral before I die. <laughs> and I know it sounds warped, but that's what I want to do. And so, you know, and that way you can invite who you want and let it be a party that I can check out. But, you know, okay. <laughs> you know, but the thing about it is that it's something that keeps popping in my mind, and I think I might just do it. <laughs> so, But it's thinking outside the box and in a sense of, what your wildest dreams you have for what you what what you have created, you know, mm-hmm. artists think of that way. A painter, you know, uh, a painter would paint something you don't know what in the world it is, but they everybody be saying, oh, that's a fine painting. And we tend to be more rigid in that. Oh, we have to do it this way. It has to look this way. Oh no, it doesn't really. It doesn't. And um, it's because it represents you. And and, and yeah. each one of us are different, and each one of us express ourselves different. And it's about you, your, you know, the way you record your family. Long as you keep the same type of recording system throughout your research, your family will understand when they receive it that oh, this means this and that. I'm color coded. I have to have things in color. And you know, I got my mama's side once. I got my mother's mother's side one color. My daddy, daddy, daddy side one color. So I'm, I'm a color person. So my files are done by color. And mm-hmm. so um, some people, you know, they do things differently. But um, it's like our life is not in a box. You know, we are, you know, free spirit flowing people. And and um, I think our work should reflect us, not reflect some little formula that somebody else gave us. You know what I'm saying? So the way you research and the way you record your things and how you want it to reflect you would be different in how I would want my stuff to reflect me. 
So you and yourself will have to find that that you are comfortable with. That's right. What you're saying is you don't have to be a cookie cutter. <laughs> you don't have to no. do it all the same way. No. Right. No. Mm-hmm. No. Well, Charles, we're getting close to the end of the show. Do you have any parting words for us tonight? Um, yes, I would seriously like people to think about um, how they want to leave their information, what kind of blueprint they want their family to um, to have that represent all of what they have done and um, and maybe have that conversation with them about how they want their stuff. Because eventually we have to talk about how we want to be buried and everything. So we also want to throw in how we want our life work to be and where we mm-hmm. want it to go and start making those decisions um, because none of us know how long we're going to be here, even though I, I keep I keep having this conversation with the man upstairs saying, <laughs> wait a minute, you know. But anyway, we don't know how long we're going to be here. So to be able to have this, and plus the, our organizations is only going to survive because of us and the generation after us. And if there's no record left behind saying we ever were members or we ever did any that that organization eventually would die. That's right. That's right. And you don't want to you don't want to be invisible. You don't want to no. die and people say, "Oh, I don't know anything about that person." Yes. Because you it's did just, live. Mhm. Just like a person who's in a grave without a headstone. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows yet you're oh. there. Nobody knows yes. that you're there. Um, my grandmother um, attended her the church she attended, and she died in 1978. I still pay her her tithes, and I'm not even a Christian. I still pay her tithes because I want mm-hmm. my grandmother to still have her footprint on that church. And she's deceased That's since 1978. Mhm, mhm. And so her um, footprint is still there. There, her footprint yeah. is still there. Yes. Yeah, because they cast their check every girl, year. Yeah, Family Tree mm-hmm. Girl is, is saying, you know, tomorrow is not promised to anyone. Mm-mm, it's not. So those of you who are listening tonight, start it. Get your blueprint together and start collecting and documenting and, you know, determining where you want your legacy. And this is kind of the message for tonight to all of you. Preparing. The, your genealogical blueprint for the next generation. That's what it's all about. Well, Char, thank you so much for discussing this topic with us tonight. And everybody else, I, I want you to remember, your ancestors left footprints. You are also leaving footprints. And you should follow the clues that are presented to you through oral history, family records, and research at the National Archives and beyond. You can continue this discussion on the research at the National Archives and beyond and Afrogenia's Facebook pages. And also remember to listen to the African Roots podcast with Angela Walton Raji on Friday. And also watch for the Black Progen Live with host Nika Soul Smith. Thank you so much for joining research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. And also check out my services at BB's Genealogy Research and Educational Services, LLC. And my website is www.geniebroots.com. And I look forward to all of you joining me 
next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett, with co-host Patricia Glover Howard. Good night, everyone. Good night, y'all. Good night. Thank you.